0: Holy God, we do stand in awe of you tonight because you are an awesome God. You have brought us here. You are at work in our hearts and in our lives. And we give you praise tonight. We would ask, Lord, that through this chapel service that you would speak to us. Yes. We always need a fresh word from you, Lord. Right. And we look to that tonight. I pray for Chaplain like as he speaks, Lord. Anoint him. Open his heart and mind. Be a vessel of honor for you tonight. As he allows your word to flow through him to us. Father, we pray for our families. We pray for those who need a physical touch from you tonight. We pray, Father, for our country and our world. Yes. Yes. Father, we need you today. Mm. Mm. Our world needs you. Yes. Our world needs the love of Jesus more than ever before. Mm. And I pray that your Spirit would come and first revive your people and then. Work through your revived people to bring hope and light to this darkened world. Again, Lord, we come tonight expecting you to do a new thing in us. So, Lord, we're going to receive what you have to give us tonight. For it's in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. You may be seated.
1: One of the best parts about being here is getting to meet people who have come from other parts of the country, including Rick Grimes, who always has on an Ohio State t-shirt of some kind. (laughs) They're exactly right. Spoken like a true Wolverine, Kevin. <laughs> Go blue. In fact, uh, how many people in the room moved from some place to Colorado Springs so that you could attend Nazarene Bible College? Let me see your hands. Okay. That's what I thought. I, I, I wish I, wish I could have been in on some of that decision-making process. I wish I had been a fly on the wall of your homes or of your parents' homes just to watch the whole thing happen. I I have a hunch. I have a hunch for some of you, the process went pretty smoothly. God called you to ministry, and that call to ministry included moving to the Springs to attend NBC. So you said yes told your family, we're moving, they said yay, and you packed up your stuff and, (laughs) right? Somebody in the room that happened to maybe. Well, that's what I thought. I have a hunch that for most of us, most of us the process didn't go quite so smoothly. God called you to serve him. That call included moving to Colorado Springs to attend NBC. You said yes, you told your family, and they said, and you told them we're moving to Colorado, and your family said, What do you mean we? <laughs> what do you mean we? It's the kind of question that I'm convinced that Joshua must have heard all of his life. What do you mean, we, Joshua? So I want us to think about his life for a few minutes this evening and see what he has to say to us. I mean, Joshua is a guy who came home one day to tell his family that they were moving. They were going to follow some former shepherd by the name of Moses out of the land of Egypt and into the desert someplace, and finally wind up in the promised land, and you can just hear his family thinking to themselves, Joshua, Dad, what do you mean we? We're going where? Well, Joshua said, we begins with me. Moses knows where he's gone and I trust him and so we're gonna head that way and so off to the desert they went. While they're in the desert Joshua was recognized for his leadership skills and so it became his task came his task to lead a battle against the Amalekites. They were one of the toughest tribes in the region. So he went to his army and he told him his plans and the army members, we're not saying this out loud because you don't say that out loud if you're in the army. What do you mean we, Joshua? Do you know who those guys are? Have you heard of their reputation? You want us to do what? Joshua's response was, we begins with me. Maybe say that with me. We begins with me. We can take these guys and so off to the battle they went and you know what? They won. Later on, remember, he was one of that group of spies who went into Canaan to explore the place. They found it to be flowing with milk and honey and giant grapes and giants who ate the grapes and drank the milk and ate the honey. So when they got back, the group filed their report. Joshua and Caleb said, I think we can do this. And the rest of the spies says, what do you mean we, Joshua? What do you mean, we? Didn't you see those giants? Joshua said, well, what did he say? We begins with me. I'll go. Caleb will go. But nobody else would. So they spent the next 40 years relocating. (laughs) Generation later, Israel finally gets to the edge of God's promise for them. Moses is gone. He's buried. Joshua's now the appointed leader of Israel, and all they have to do is cross the Jordan River to get into the Promised Land. And so Joshua pulls the people together and announces to him, We're going to cross the Jordan River right here. And the people said to Joshua, What do you mean, we, Joshua? I don't see a bridge, don't see a boat, don't see a blimp. How are we gonna do that and so one more time Joshua says we begins with me we're headed over to the other side so they made their plans and the people followed and the waters parted and finally some 40 years later they got to the place where God wanted them to be however they still had some house cleaning to do right there were still some things that they had to take care of once they were on the other side of the river one of those things happened to be the city of Jericho quaint little place quaint little place had double walls the outside wall was six feet wide then there was a space of 15 feet and that wall was 12 feet wide and it encompassed an area of seven acres And Joshua said to the people, we're going to take that town down. And the people were thinking, what do you mean we, Joshua? What's your plan of attack? And once he told them, of course, they felt much better about it, right? (laughs) We're going to march around the city once a day for six days. And then on the seventh day, we're going to march around how many times? Seven times. We're going to blow the ram's horn. We're going to shout. And the walls are going to fall. What do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean? Wait, Joshua. <laughs> but they followed him, and they marched, and they marched, and they marched, and they blew the horns and they shouted, and sure enough, the walls come a-tumbling down. Anybody remember the song? "Joshua Fit the Battle of Jericho?" Cage okay, cage. Okay. So after that happens, there's a battle at Ai, another battle at Gilgal, the sun needs to stand still at Gibeon, and then the promised land has to be parceled out to the descendants of the 12 tribes of Israel. There's not an easy move in any of that bunch. But every time the people said to Joshua, what do you mean we, Joshua? Joshua said, we begins with me. Let's roll. And so they did. Israel prevailed and they began to settle the land that God had promised to them so many years ago. Brings us to our text in Joshua chapter 24, the end of the book. He's now at the end of his life. He's 110 years old and he's still the leader of Israel. He calls the people together and reminds them of all that God has done for them and all that God has in store for them. And then he says to them, verse 14, Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the God your forefathers worshipped beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, Then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your forefathers, the gods your forefathers served before beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now, just as an aside, isn't it interesting? Isn't it interesting that after all the Israelites had been through and after all the progress they had made and all the things that God had done, they still had some idols with them? He has to say to these folks who are still carrying around some wooden totems in their tents and some stone statues in their backpacks that they can't carry those in evidently they need a little insurance just in case this this God that Joshua serves doesn't work out well then we can always go back to these But Joshua says in the face of all of that his refrain we begins with me What Joshua calls the people to do he will do first he calls the people to honesty and he'll be honest he calls the people to commitment and he'll and he's committed he calls them to singleness of heart and he'll lead the way we begins with me say it again we begins with me do what you want choose whom you'll choose but for me, my family, my household, and anybody that I have influence over, we're gonna move in God's direction. We're gonna follow his lead, we'll serve the Lord. One writer put it this way when he's talking about Joshua. uh, Joshua, he just chose and he chose and he chose and and he kept on choosing. Thus, his word to the people was not an affirmation puffed up at the spur of the moment. This was not one of those motivational talks that that coaches give right before the big game. It was deeply embedded in Joseph's comprehension of what is required of a person made in the image of God. A person called not to obey God like some machine or like some animal, but called to obey God by choice by choice so we have in Joshua this great role model he's a great example I think that it's worth your spending the time to read the book it'll take you a few minutes half hour maybe we can learn from the choices that he's made from the way that he lived his life we can see our life's challenges in his and our life's battles in his we can follow his lead we can take up his legacy However, that kind of analogy is not the point of the passage. That's not the theme of the book. When we read Joshua's story, when we see Joshua's legacies, we're not supposed to be asking the question, what would Joshua do? We are invited to declare in amazement, look what God has done. Look what God has done. See, God is the one who called Joshua. God is the one who led Joshua. God is the one who equipped Joshua. God is the one who told Joshua to walk on the march around that town that way. And to get in the water before it moved. God's also the one who said to Joshua on more than one occasion and you'll see it when you read the book be strong have courage don't be afraid don't be discouraged and he says in 1 9 for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go wherever you go see God really is the focus of these stories Joshua's just the example Of what happens to a person when they put their trust completely in God and say, we begins with me. One commentator put it this way. The book of Joshua is not so much a tribute to such matters as military skill or human enthusiasm as it is a witness to the mighty acts of God himself. While Joshua was rightly celebrated for his leadership, for his powers of coordination, the narrative makes it clear that in the light of the covenant provisions, the true glory must be given to God alone. To God alone. The people needed that kind of reinforcement, like we do. So at the beginning of the chapter, Joshua gives them a little quick review. Look there, beginning with verse 2. I want to turn it into a kind of question-answer thing. I'm going to ask the question, and I need you to tell me the answer. So who brought Father Abraham from beyond the river and led him throughout the Canaan? God. Who gave Isaac and gave Isaac, Esau, and Jacob? And who sent Moses and Aaron into Egypt, afflicted the Egyptians, and then brought Israel out of Egypt? God. And who parted the waters of the Red Sea and then let them come back in, destroying the Egyptian army? God. And who gave the Amorites and the Amalekites and all the otherites into Israel's hands? God. And who led Israel into Jordan made the water part and then close? And who made the walls of Jericho fall? It was God. And then he concludes in verse 13. God says, I gave you land On which you did not toil and cities on which you did not build and you live in them and you eat from vineyards and from olive groves that you did not plant and then he goes on to say now choose go ahead choose choose whom you will serve we begins with me and we're gonna serve the Lord we're gonna serve the Lord to paraphrase one writer I saw he said that the claims of God are so supreme and so unquestionable that to be neutral is to be hostile let me say it again that the claims of God are so supreme so unquestionable that to be neutral is to be hostile now it's obvious that the option that Joshua put toward his people today applies to us Uh, how are we going to respond to this God are we going to say to him what do you mean we or will we say we begins with me as for me and my house we'll serve the Lord I don't know how each of you came to the decision to accept God's call into ministry. I know how a lot of you did because we've had the conversation in intro. I don't know what the process was like for you to come to the place so that everyone was on board, willingly. There's the word, willingly. Not kicking and screaming, willingly. Willingly. I don't know what that process was like for you, for everyone else to get on board with the idea of attending NBC. I don't know how many times someone said to you, what do you mean we? Well, your presence here tonight is evidence that you came to the place where you said to God, we begins with me. I'll serve the Lord, I want my family, I want my household, I want anybody who's within my influence to serve him too. You give witness to that, physical witness to that. It's one of the places, one of the things that makes this place holy. Let me remind you though, it's not the last time you'll have to make that choice. Joshua says we will serve the Lord. Not we have. Not look at all this thing not look at all the things that I did in the past. We will. He's 110. He's getting ready to die. But until his last breath, he knows full well that as long as he's living, he's going to have to make that choice. Whatever comes, and he's willing to say, we begins with me, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. At the end of chapter 24, there's a little bit of dialogue, and I think it's been flashing behind me while I've been up here. There's a dialogue between Joshua and his people regarding their response to God. So I want you to either read it off the screen or grab the Bible in front of you, and I want us to use their dialogue as our response to God. I need the musicians to come. Beginning with verse 19, I'm, if you'll let me, give me the privilege, I'll read Joshua's lines, and then I want you to read the people's lines. And it will help us reinforce this notion that when God calls, we'll say, as for me and my house, we'll serve. Stand. So Joshua said to the people, you are not able. It's interesting here, actually, you think he'd warm them up? He pushes every button he can in this next speech. You are not able to serve the Lord. He is a holy God. He's a jealous God. He will not forgive your rebellion and your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, He will turn and bring disaster on you and make an end of you after He has been good to you. But the people said, we serve the Lord. Really? So then Joshua said, "Your are witnesses against yourself that you have chosen to serve the Lord. Now then, throw away all of the foreign gods that are still among you and yield your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, Say it one more time.